Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to Money Awakenings. This is your host, Larry Morrison. I am the financial shaman, and it is today a beautiful day. Freezing cold where I am, but I'm actually getting acclimated to it. And what I notice is when there's no wind, the sun is allowed to heat me up where it shines on me. The wind is what just cuts through like a knife. So even though it's cold and below freezing, it's still so it's bearable. Don't we love talking about the weather? I uh, was teaching my sales team uh, for my other business um, how to build rapport. You know, building rapport is one of the hallmarks of communicating with anybody is to remind people that we're both human and share a planet, a spaceship together. And people do this naturally when they talk about the weather. People uh, remind each other that we're all spinning on a blue dot in the middle of nowhere um, through talking about the weather. I used to see it as a surface conversation, and I typically abhor surface conversations myself, but these days I'm not as opposed to it because my perception around it has changed. When people automatically talk about the weather, A, at least they're talking, but B, um, they're building rapport. They're saying, hey, I deal with this thing called weather too as we all as all humans do that are above ground (laughs) and so um i don't know i was having this conversation with a close friend of mine the other day and what i noticed is there's ways to have deep heart-to-heart connected conversations without talking about spirituality philosophy psychology trauma, wounding, what our, how our parents taught us belief systems and all that kind of stuff that I typically talk about. There's ways to have deep heart-to-heart conversations. You know, I could use the analogy of sports. I have a close friend who we always talk sports. And even though I haven't paid attention to sports in many years, um, it's the male gladiator drama right? It's the the hero's journey and overcoming adversity and one team against the odds and people competing against each other to make each other better and to get into the zone or flow state. And there's a lot of beauty in it. And before, um, before recently, I was always like, oh, roll my eyes. I used to love sports and I go through a a period where I don't care for it very much. And I didn't care for it because it seemed like a surfacey type conversation where I really relish and love and, and am like a pig, a pig in mud um, rolling around in deep conversations, deep heart-to-heart connections. But you can still have the heart-to-heart connection talk even just through talking about sports, when we talk about someone prevailing or what it must feel like to put all your hopes and dreams on the line and have an injury or something like that and have a tragedy happen and it opens you up to talking about how 
you can't script life. You know, you can't plan for these types of things and how everything's happening for us, not to us. And how many different situations there are that don't go the play, the way excuse me don't go the way we expected or planned them to go but source has something higher for us you know i was watching moneyball the other day hadn't seen it for years and throughout the movie this isn't a spoiler throughout the movie they talk about the main character billy bean how he was drafted uh right out of high school instead of going to college basically to play baseball and how he regretted that decision after the fact that his baseball career didn't pan out and he became a scout and then he became a GM and so on and so forth. Um, but he changed, you know, his life didn't go as planned, but he completely changed the game of baseball anyway, not as a player, but as a GM. And so it's, it's a, just a, an amazing reminder that not only can we have these deep conversations outside of the norm of, you know, what your parents teach you about money, which is where I usually start my conversations with clients or people about that hear what I do. <clears throat> You're a financial shaman? What does that mean? It means we change the belief systems, we change the vibration, we change the perception, and money changes. Not just the amounts, but how it moves through your life. And I always start with, what did your parents teach you about money? Which is a great conversation starter of, you know, what your parents taught you about everything about life. But, which goes to your programming and traumas and stuff like that. Habits of behavior and patterns of thought. But... You can have these same heart-to-heart connection talks without having to go that route. And it's good when we think about the holidays. Um, I'm, actually, this is going to be posted after the holidays. But when we think about going back to work or going back uh, to, to a life that maybe we want to change some things or don't change some things. And maybe we've spent a lot of time connecting with people and we're going back to talking to coworkers and stuff uh that might seem like dang it now i gotta go back to having these surface conversations and talking about stuff that i don't care about but realize that the human drama can play out in any way shape or form and don't be open to the idea that you can have a deeper conversation talking about things that may seem like surface things, right? We don't have to have people, every person in our life be spiritual to have deep conversations, to have life-changing conversations. And the second thing is, which is what I want to talk about today, is... You don't know what's going to happen. And what we perceive as a tragedy today might end up being the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. But in the moment, good morning. In the moment, it's difficult to know that. 
difficult but not impossible. It just takes training and awareness. Practice, really, is all it takes. Good morning. Practice is what it takes to increase your emotional IQ to the point where when something traumatic is happening or something you don't prefer is happening, to know that the infinite intelligence with infinite perception is still doing the highest and best good for you. And, and granted, ladies and gentlemen, I need to hear this too, what's coming through me right now, because I've had a really tough... November was extremely tough for me, and it's still kind of fresh and raw and needs healing and ointment and sal- salves and stuff, you know? <laughs> Sorry, that's inside joke. So, um, it needs healing, and time will heal it, and this work will heal it, but... In the moment, it's very difficult, but not impossible, difficult to see things as constantly happening for you when there's nothing but pain and trauma and tragedy seemingly surrounding you. And the pain is there to bring you home, right? It's like... It's like putting your hand on a hot stove. You're not meant to keep it there. The body is telling you, take your hand off the stove. And the pain will, well, it'll it'll have to heal, obviously, depending on how long you sat it there. But the pain will go away as you take your hand off the stove. It's no different than emotional pain. You're not supposed to stay there. You're supposed to, your heart is giving you emotional pain to say, hey, come home. And the way you come home is by using your superpower. Your superpower is the combination of two things. Um, the superpower is the combination of curiosity mixed with your ability to shift perception. So, curiosity, why is that important? Good morning. Because curiosity, the opposite of curiosity, is self-righteousness and arrogance. Believing you know everything. Let me get away from this road that is never busy, but is busy right now. And that's okay, and we love that. Um, so, where was I? Curiosity. So, if, if <clears throat> your ego never wants to be wrong, and we've talked about this. It never wants to be wrong, which is always ironic to me because it's constantly assuming everything, but it never wants to be wrong because of our conditioning, our conditional love programming, which when we're wrong, we're punished, we're spanked or shamed or ostracized, you know, put the dunce cap on or whatever. So it never wants to be wrong. However, being wrong is how we grow. So we have to be wrong, and we have to be wrong a lot. So curiosity is a way in which we can be wrong without dying on the hill, without staking a claim and being like, no, I'm right, and if I'm right, I'm going to die. No. Curiosity is like, maybe I'm wrong. This is what I perceive right now. 
but I'm open to a new perception, so I'm curious, I'm asking questions, I'm growing, I'm evolving, I'm expanding by staying curious. By say, if I'm self-righteous, I can't grow. I can only have my house of cards knocked over. I can only have pain. It's like pain is there to smooth out your edges. Like, hey, no, no, come back here to curiosity. Come back here to you don't know everything. Come back here to that was yesterday's wisdom. What's today's? That's why curiosity is so powerful, especially when it's mixed or intermingled or combined with the power to sh- your power to shift perception. Because if you're curious and open to a new way of looking at things and you find a higher vibration, a higher perception, you can shift and leapfrog to that higher perception and this is how you constantly evolve. Let me give you an example. With money, if you believed before listening to me that hard work was the way to make money or you had to work hard to create a fortune and then I come along and say there is no one in the wealth abundance frequency who believes working hard is the way to create it first of all work the definition of work is basically anything that requires effort. And if it requires effort, it it means you don't want to do it, typically. Here, let's, let's redefine work really quick. I wrote this down the other day. Work is any time you put effort into something you do not love to do. Anytime you put effort into something you do not love to do, that's work. So there are two ways to create or quote-unquote do something without work. One is to love what you do. That's not work. You love it. It's like a hobby. It's a joy. It's fun. It's easy. Challenging maybe, for sure, but you love it so it's not work. Work is any time you put effort into something you do not love to do. So, if you love it, it's not work. Think about, I, I, if you were one of those, I, I have a client and a friend who's a dog lover, just absolutely love dogs. And I see so many dogs here at the park right now, so that's why I'm thinking about it. <laughs> um, you absolutely love dogs, like let's say. And so you make a career being a dog trainer or, um, you know, walking dogs or breeding dogs. I don't know what, you know, all kinds of ways you can. Uh, maybe you have a, a food, dog food supply store or something. Or you're a vet or something. I don't know. But you absolutely love dogs and you've figured out a way to spend your entire time doing what you love. That's not work to you. You wake up and do what you love. That's not work. The other way to not work but still create something is to not effort which means to get into the flow state or the zone or whatever you want to call it where you focus on something and you're just gone and all of a sudden it's several hours later I do this when I write I'll sit down to write and I'll finish a section and be like I'm done writing wow it was an hour and a half it went by like a blink of an eye right I didn't even pay attention at the time that's flow, 
right? And then, you, of course, you are like, I'm always marveled by what comes out of me. I'm like, what the, what is this? I'm in flow right now. I have no idea what I'm going to say. I don't care about the time. I'm just going, right? So, like, um, so work is the opposite of that. You're not in flow, so you have to put in effort, and you don't love what you do, right? I'll give you an example. My first career, not my first job, but my first career was as an electrician, as an electrical contractor. And while there are certain aspects of that job that I loved and still kind of do, um, it required effort. It required effort and I, you know, had to, you know, move my body in certain ways, you know, like climbing in attics or under houses, right? Um, there's a lot of it that required a lot of physical, manual labor and effort. And of course, your mind when you're designing a project and all that kind of stuff. Um, but there were times I got into flow during a work day, you know, where the project kind of consumed me and I was gone and it was like, wow, it's break time already. That can happen, but it didn't happen on the regular. It didn't happen regularly, right? Um... And while I did love certain aspects of it, I didn't love the whole thing. So there was a lot of times where it was work and not what I loved to do. I mean, probably 80% of the time, 80, 85% of the time, it was work. And about 10, 15% of the time, it was fun. And I loved it. Um, which is confusing to some people who have never thought about what work is and, and never really thought about that they can do whatever they want, that they can do what they love every single day and be extremely grateful to wake up and just be like, wow, I get to do this. This is amazing. Um, so that's work. So if you, uh, let me go back to my earlier point, which is there's no wealthy person who's in the abundance wealth frequency who believes that you have to work hard to become wealthy. They counteract each other. I said this a couple of podcasts ago about you can't earn wealth, right? So if you've never had that perception, though, if you grew up believing like my parents taught me that you have to work hard for everything basically anything worth having is you have to work hard for makes it so there's only one way that money in this case or anything you love can come and that's through hard work and then you hear someone like me say no that's that's not correct that's not the highest vibration that's not the highest truth when in fact people who love what they do have way more energy way more inspiration and they will run circles around anyone who doesn't love what they do i always use the analogy of the chef and the cook right when you think about a chef at denny's and again nothing wrong with denny's itself it's just you know an american institution so you know that there's thousands and thousands of locations right so you know it's like not where a five-star Michelin chef is going to be working, is my point. Um, so you have a cook who basically punches a clock, and it's like, this is work to them. And then you have a chef who is absolutely in love 
with what they do. And they wake up thinking about food and ways to infuse new flavors and creating menus and blah, 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 blah. Like there's a massive difference between a chef and a cook, okay? And the major, the, the major difference is one of them loves what they do. One of them loves food and creating food. And one of them does not. And so there's no one in the wealth frequency that thinks you're going to work to get there. You have to love it. It has to be your heart's calling. It has to be your highest excitement. And if you disagree and you try to say like, well... I know people who have made millions who didn't really care for what they did. I'll give you an example. Uh, Bill Hader, who's an actor, um, he absolutely hates live TV, but he's really, really good at it. He was on SNL for many years. And he hated it so much he contemplated suicide. Because what had happened was he hated live TV. Now he does movies and stuff, so it's not a big deal. But he hated live TV so much. But he became really, really good at it. And rich and, you know, all that stuff. People loved him for it. But now he's good. He, he mastered something he hated to do. And so every single day, he hated getting up. and hated going to work and all that stuff. But he was good at it. So he was trapped by the fact that he had mastered something he didn't like to do and made tons of money at it, right? Why do I bring that up? Because you can master anything, give it enough time and energy. But if you master something you hate, you're going to be like him, where he's thinking of, he has seemingly from the outside everything anybody could ask for. You know, a, a budding career, tons of money, you know, everybody loves working with him, yada, yada. And he wants to kill himself. Because he mastered something he hated to do. I got there too. I almost got there myself. I've mastered a few things in my life. Well, we can just go back to electrical. I was one of the best. I was the person they called in when no one else could figure out the circuitry and figure out how to make it work. As a diagnostician. And um, I got really, really good at it. But I didn't like it. I didn't hate it, hate it. But I knew it wasn't for me for long term. I knew it was only a temporary thing, which made it, it, made it grueling. Because it's like, man, I'm really good at this, which makes me feel good about myself. But I don't want to do it. Which makes me feel terrible. Makes me feel trapped. Right? <sighs> And then when I left, people were thought I was nuts. Like, you have a freaking, you know, contracting business, but in career, an expert electric, why would you leave? Because I don't love it. And I cannot settle for something I don't love. Because I'll never, I don't have the energy, like, thinking about 30 years to retirement, doing electrical, maybe I want to kill myself. Same thing. Like, I couldn't do it. So going back to your superpower you have curiosity coupled with the ability to shift perception meaning that a new perception comes along like money like you've been taught your whole life that you have to work hard for money then someone like me says 
No, that's actually completely un untrue. That's almost 180 degrees wrong. Almost backwards completely. If you're working hard, something is wrong. You've fallen for a lot of false beliefs. I say fallen for like they're tricks, like magic tricks. You've fallen for a lot of false beliefs. Let's say you can't make money doing what you love. Um, you have to, you know, uh, scarcity is real. And you have to bust your ass to make sure you don't die and starve to death and blah, 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 blah. Money's the root of all evil, all that kind of stuff, right? So like, can you hear, can you be curious and open to another perception? And when you hear another perception that makes your heart open and sing and go, wow, that's exciting and new and fun. And I would love to believe that the universe loves me that much to where I can do what I love every single day and not effort at all. Can you leapfrog from that perception that you currently have to the new one? Or what Abraham calls a higher flying disc, right? You, you jump from perception to perception to get to the highest one you possibly can to what you feel amazing. That's what, that's what vibrating is, right? You feel constantly amazing about whatever subject you're focused on. So that's your superpower. Your superpower is the combination of curiosity and the ability to shift perception to a higher one. Ideally, easily, but, you know, that comes with practice. So, taking it all the way back, when you're in the middle of a painful experience, can you lean on your superpower by asking yourself, what do I have to believe about myself in order to feel this pain? You know, let's say you just got your heart broken, right? Or someone, this just happened to someone very close to me, had a mentor, someone very close to them die of COVID or COVID-related complications. And, um, you know, I was holding space while she got the notification that he had, he had passed. And what was so interesting was her ability to sit with the pain and know that it was for the highest and best for both of them, for both her and her mentor who passed. Because as soon as you look at death and say, the pain that you're experiencing is your pain. It's got nothing to do with the person who's died, because the person who's died is fine. They're on the other side. They're, you know, completely, fully realized who they are. The illusion is gone. They're out of the game. There's no more pain. They're completely aligned with source. They feel the unconditional love that they are, that is the universe. They're fine. It's you who has the problem. <sighs> Grief is a selfish feeling. You want more what you want. You want to not experience this pain or you want that person back even if they were in pain more than you want to align with the truth. And this is what the pain is trying to teach everyone is, hey, you need to come home to the understanding that everything is fine. That you'll not only see that person again, but you can talk to them right now. You can experience them right now. This is a thin veil of reality. It's not 
it's just the trick of perception that causes this the consciousness to perceive what we call physical reality. This is why you see people who have experienced death very close to them or have near-death experiences become extremely spiritual. Because the pain forces you inside. It forces you to find a higher perception of the situation. Or it'll kill you. Grief has that ability. It's like, it's, it's, you're, you're either going to go down in flames with it, or you're going to evolve. There's no, there's no other... I mean, I guess you could just stay in the pain and suffer for the rest of your life until you die. And I've seen that happen to people too, where, you know, it's 10 years down the road and you bring up, you know, so-and-so's death and they're freaking out. It's like, Jesus, 10 years? You're still carrying this? Not that I, I mean, here I am six years later from my mom passing. I still have stuff to work with it, but... Um, anyway, point being, there's no wrong way to do it. I'm just saying, <sighs> the pain is there to bring you home. And in the moment when that kind of stuff happens, can you not, or let me not do it like that. Let me word it like this. When that kind of stuff is happening, painful experiences Can you remember that everything is happening for you? Can you remember that the highest infinite intelligence that is source is helping you evolve? That the pain is trying to bring you home to your heart to shift to a higher perception. If we stay with death, we're all going to die. We're all going to go home. This place is the temporary place. Extremely temporary when you realize that we're eternal. I mean, what's 80 to 100 years to an eternal? To an infinite being? Nothing. Very much. Very little. In the grand scheme of things. Important. It matters, otherwise it wouldn't be happening. You wanted it, otherwise you wouldn't be here. But the point is, in the grand scheme, in the the 10,000 foot view, is it going to matter that much? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. How much does the shit you were dealing with five years ago matter to you? Think about some drama. It's probably even hard to bring up. Let's see. Five years ago, 2016. I don't even remember 2016. Jesus. Okay. So 15. Mom. Okay. So Christmas. All right. I remember where I was. Christmas of 2016, San Diego. Got it. Okay. (laughs) The dramas I was dealing with then are comical to me now. Like they're so tiny and insignificant. At the time, they were huge, though. But now it's like a joke. Not only because I can see what happened after that, But I can also see where I was in my evolution. And while I can respect and honor what younger Larry went through, from my vantage point now, it's like, I'm grateful, but small 
by comparison. Which is fascinating, because that's a different perception. Can we have the understanding that no matter what is happening to you, you will one day, whether, you're, whether it's from death or just, you know, a different vantage point, one day you will have a perception of what you're going through as small, as insignificant, as just another footnote in the chapter of, your, of the book of your life. It doesn't mean we don't honor what's happening in front of us. It means that perception is everything. You know, I keep saying to myself and to anybody who will listen, everything's happening for us. Everything's happening for us, not to us. Everything is for our evolution and growth. And that's great. Until the shitty times come. And then you go, man, I really want to believe that, but this pain sucks. What do I do about this pain, Larry? You go home. And I don't mean suicide. I mean you go home to your heart. You meditate or do whatever it takes to get outside your head and go home to your heart. That's trying to call you home. That's trying to call you home by shifting your perception. I feel like we should infuse an example here. Let's keep it with money. Let's say you got your credit card statement and you way overspent for Christmas and you're starting to feel a little bit, let's say, scared. You feel like, oh, that pit in your stomach, like, oh my God, what have I done? How am I ever going to get out of this? When you focus on those victim mentality type beliefs, like, what have I done? I'm so stupid. You know, all that negative self-talk that the ego wants to drag you down with. And your emotions, of course, are trying to tell you, hey, you need to shift perception. You need to shift perception. That's why negative emotion is there. You feel guilty and scared and afraid. And that's your heart going, you got to shift perception. You got to shift perception. You gotta shift around this. This is not healthy. This is only gonna cause more pain and suffering, which of course is your choice to do, but we don't recommend it, which is why we're continuing to bring up pain. Why is it? That it's easier to see from behind you. Why is it that like, from behind you it's easier to see looking backward but not in the moment or looking forward so pain is trying to tell you to come home it's trying to tell you to shift your perception with the credit card statement like i said you could for instance feel terrible feel like you overspent feel like you did something wrong 
which will cause you to feel all that negative emotion. Or you could go, okay, I have a challenge here. And this challenge is here perfectly on time to make me grow in a way that I cannot yet see. It could be as simple as letting go, knowing that everything is always taken care of, letting you know that you always have enough. Maybe you start to work on your limiting beliefs around money because you see this credit card statement. Maybe you start to go, man, maybe I should really dig in and unravel all these limiting beliefs so every time I, don't, I look at this bill, I don't feel bad. Or maybe you take it as a challenge to be like, okay, I'm going to have to learn how to accept abundance into my life. Maybe I'm going to have to learn to challenge myself to do something that's exciting to me that will bring in money. Maybe it's time to start that entrepreneurial business. Maybe it's time to start that art project or that thing that writing my book or that thing that that course I want to create or that whatever it could be a catalyst if you look at it that way but in the moment if you've practiced playing a victim and you've had plenty of familiarity around pain and suffering you're just going to keep your hand on the stove and burn yourself alive if you let pain guide you home as it's intended to do then what happens is pain is kind of like I don't know why bowling it's kind of like the gutters in bowling you're not avoiding it but your intention is not to go down the gutters if it go down if it goes down the gutter the ball goes down the gutter you're like okay I have to correct this and try again you're trying to go down the lane to the pins and on top of that get whatever pins are there knocked down if you don't know bowling I can't help you it's an analogy my point is you're trying and not necessarily trying to avoid them because it's not like the end of the world when you have pain it's not like the end of the world when you have a gutter ball like oh my god I need to the world is terrible and I hate my life no it's just a gutter ball it's not a big deal it's just pain you're supposed to stop and go okay what did I do wrong or what, what can I do to improve the next shot? You break down the fundamentals of your, you know, your, um, I was going to say your swing like it's golf or something. Your role? What, what, your approach, I think, is what they call it. Your approach. Um, and you go, okay, I need to change this and try again. Right? You set out... You see the credit card statement, ooh, I got a gutter ball. Pain is there. What do I have to believe about myself? Let's try again. Let's shift perception. Okay, let's get a higher flying disc. Let's get a higher vibration. Let's get a higher perception. Okay, everything's happening for me. Okay, so why is this here? Maybe it's simply to show me that I'm living conditionally because I keep getting upset when I see money problems. 
for me, as your host, as Larry Morrison, I found a way to take money all the way to defeating the ego. So you can't tell me, Larry, not, I'm not speaking hypothetically, you can't tell me that money beliefs and money problems and money challenges don't have the ability to bring you everything that you want in life. All the happiness, all the joy, all the awareness, the connection with your heart, the heart's calling. Everything can be done through money alone because I did it. Understanding money beliefs helps you understand your conditioning. Helps you understand what you believe about God. Helps you understand who you are. It can if you if you let it. So that could be it. Or, if it's not that existential, it could be, okay, I've got to change something. I've got to change something and, and, you know, roll the ball again down the lane. Maybe I approach Christmas a little different. Maybe I start saving for Christmas now. Maybe I pick up a holiday job. Maybe, maybe I get this, I follow my heart and start building reeds or whatever. But avoiding pain is what most people do. And what's fascinating by that is most people avoid pain not by shifting perception to a higher uh, one that will make them feel better. Because as soon as you shift perception and say, this is a challenge for me, like the credit card said, this is a challenge that's happening for me, you already feel better. You already become, you, you start to switch from the victim to the creator of your life. That's the way you feel better. That's the way you heal pain is shifting perception. But if you try to avoid pain, most people avoid pain through monotony, through sameness, through doing doing the exact same thing they did yesterday. But this doesn't truly avoid pain because now you're living a, a life of quiet desperation where... Nothing new happens. Nothing challenges you. You don't grow. You don't evolve. And you're just waiting to die. You're running out the clock. All just to avoid pain. Which is there to help you. Everything in this life is here to serve you. Everything. Everything is here to serve you. Even the darkest times. The deepest wounds. That's why I'm saying, in the moment, when you're going through the darkness, can you remember that it's there to heal you and open you up to an entirely new level of consciousness? If you let it. If you stop resisting it. Resistance. All resistance is, is resistance to change. Or evolution. You could simply define resistance as anything that inhibits change or evolving. 
Anything that inhibits evolution is resistance. Anything that inhibits change or evolution is resistance. Why would we resist change? Because resistance is also painful. <laughs> right? Resistance is super painful. Watching people fight for their right to be racist over these last couple of years is painful to not only watch, but I'm sure it's painful for them too. It's like, what the, what? What are you guys doing? That has got to be painful in your body. To, to resist change that much. A woman's place is in the home. Gays can't allow to be buried. Like, th th it's so ridiculous. It's painful to watch. People fight progress. And yet, we know that we're all doing it in some way, not necessarily with those specific items or situations, but we're all doing it in some way. We're all resisting evolution in some way with our own stubbornness and self-righteousness and arrogance. That's why shifting perception is so powerful. That's why pain is so powerful to not necessarily get used to. You don't want to go numb to it. You, if you get used to pain, you be, you're suffering. It's getting used to pain showing up and you stopping and breaking down. What do I have to believe about myself to experience this? What is this pain trying to teach me? It's trying to show me a limiting belief system I have about myself or a past trauma that needs to be healed, an inner child that needs to be healed and talked to and, and learned from and expressed through. It's trying to guide you inside to unbrainwash you. That's all pain is trying to do. Pain is trying to unbrainwash you. It's trying to make sure you get strikes every time. But to get there, to the place where you're fully connected to your heart, and it's the only voice in your head, there's going to be a lot of pain because you have to reopen those old wounds that you went numb to, that you got familiar with. Oh, that's just the way it is. My mom is just a, an abuser. That's just the way she is. That's how it is every Christmas. It's a nightmare. What? No! This is your life. What are you doing? What are you talking about? Oh, that's just the way it is. I gotta work hard for money doing something I hate, otherwise my kids starve to death. No! That's super painful. Now you might have gone numb to it. You might have it might be familiar to you to do things you don't love to do every day. 
but that is in no way, shape, or form an indicator that you're on the right track of perception. Going numb to pain is much different than realigning to a higher vibration, to realigning to a higher perception that makes you feel good. You need to be very careful if you go numb to pain. It's the same thing as if you go numb to physical pain. Now you could possibly have a serious injury and not know it. Why do you think painkillers are so dangerous? Yes, they have a place. You go through a serious physical trauma and you want to numb the pain while it heals. Totally understand. If you try to numb the pain for the rest of your life, it means you're not healing properly. Something is completely out of alignment that needs to be healed. The body is always trying to heal itself. Same with the heart. The heart is always trying to get back to the highest vibration. And it's always trying to bring you with it. That's why it screams to you through pain, both your body and your heart. Hey, this needs healing. This needs attention. Come here and give us the attention we require to heal this. But most people don't want to do it. A, because they don't know how. That's one thing. But if you really wanted to know how, you could. I've talked about it a lot here. If you really wanted to know how, you would find a way and Source would bring you one. That's even besides the ones I've shown you. Excuse me. I swear, what's so funny is when I record these, I have no problems with stuffed up nose or spitting or any of that stuff. And then as soon as I stop recording, I'm sorry, as soon as I stop recording, all that goes away. So it's like, I don't know why that is. Maybe it's just because I'm talking out loud and that moves things around or something. But anyway, where was I? Pain is not something to be avoided. It's just not something to keep around. What do I have to believe about? if I'm feeling heartbroken? If I'm feeling unloved, what do I have to believe about myself to feel unloved? That I'm unlovable, that no one cares about me, that I'm unseen, unheard? That no one gives a shit, that I don't matter. Is that true? If you didn't matter, you wouldn't be here. If nothing mattered, it wouldn't be happening. You matter. And your perception is unique and is needed for the whole, like an infinite tapestry, like a huge jigsaw puzzle. 
You are a piece of that puzzle. Your perception is like the palette through which you create your art. The, the, the life, the life that you experience as if it was a sculptor or an artist with a canvas. Your palette, your art, whatever, um, tools, paintbrush and your colors, that's your perception. Perception creates your reality. Your perception needs to be safeguarded from the ego that wants you to constantly believe that everything is worst case scenario, that you're a victim of life, that no one loves you, that God doesn't love you. This is the problem with assuming the worst. When your perception, you know I've talked a lot about narcissism, pessimism is, always, is also something to be avoided because that's also an ego victory. If you become a pessimist, the ego has taken control of your perception and is literally torturing you by showing you worst case scenario after worst case scenario. When it comes to money, I used to have this type of thinking. It took a long time to break me out of it because I grew up poor. And, and it happened, funny enough, this is the third time I'm mentioning my electrical pack background, which is weird, but <laughs> when I was an electrician, I would get raises in the union, when I was an apprentice, rather, I would get raises every single six months to a year. Big raises. But I could never get ahead financially. Now I know why, obviously, because of my belief systems around it. But I could never get ahead. And I constantly had this perception as I'm never going to get ahead. It doesn't matter how much money I make. I was always looking at the worst case scenario. Living paycheck to paycheck. And I started to go numb to it. Until, luckily, something happened. <laughs> The mere reality forced its hand. I broke my shoulder. The only time I've ever broken any bone in my body on the job. Broke, broke, my, broke a bone. Couldn't work. Was forced to sit and recover. Do nothing. After about two weeks of watching TV, that shit got old real fast. My mom brought me a book to read because she all also knew how much... I abhorred poverty and didn't want to be poor. She brought me a book called Thinking Real Rich. And that started my spiritual journey. But if I had looked, if I had perceived my shoulder breaking as something bad, as a tragedy, now I've lost momentum with the company I was with. And now I don't know how I'm going to finish my apprenticeship. And what am I going to do? I have to pass these tests and I, I can't even lift my arm. Woe is me, victim. If I'd have gone down that rabbit hole, which I did. 
I wouldn't have been open to the idea that what I saw as tragedy was actually the universe shaking things up, breaking me free from the belief system, from the spider web of belief system that I was caught in. How do you know that that's not exactly what's happening to you now when something quote-unquote tragic is happening to you? When you think you're experiencing the worst-case scenario, not only could it always be worse, but could you stop and think, what if this is for my highest and best good and I just can't see it yet? Can you look back through your life and see those moments just like I had? That from in the moment, in the, when they were happening, they looked like tragedy. They looked like terrible, oh, that's so, I'm so sorry to hear that type of shit. You know, oh, I broke my arm and blah, blah. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. You know how people say that. Have you ever had those moments in your life? At least one? Where it was like, this sucks. And you look back a few years later, maybe five, ten years later, maybe now. Maybe look back now and go, wow, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. That was one of the best things that ever could have happened to me. How do you know that's not happening now? How do you know that the tragedy that you're facing, or the low point, or the stuck feeling, or the credit card statement that's way bigger or way less, way way negative, whatever, way more than you thought, isn't exactly what you need. Everything is happening for you. And it's a fun thing to say when you're feeling okay. But it's a hard thing to believe when the shit has hit the fan. However, that is is exactly what source is demanding of you. What your heart is demanding of you. Because if you feel pain when the tragedy is happening, it's asking you, your heart is asking you to come home and remember that sacred truth that you are loved beyond measure and that the highest infinite Intelligence and infinite perception is bringing you to your highest and best version of yourself. I hope something I've said here today helps you. Thank you for listening all the way through. I appreciate you. No matter what, I want you to remember that you're unconditionally loved at all times. It's the ticket out of the matrix if you want it to be. We are (laughs) different dogs at the same park, different blades of grass on the same lawn. My unconditional love to you. Be well, be gentle with yourselves. And good journey, my friends.